Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic Sea Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zune, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by coronatools.com, the nation's leader in garden and landscaping tools. Listeners of the Organic View can receive 20% off their coronatools.com purchase by using the coupon code ORGVIEW. That's O-R-G-V-I-E-W. For more promotional offers, please visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. And don't forget to check out our contest section. Cocktails have come such a long way, and there are so many exciting ways to spruce them up. On today's show, best-selling author the healthy party guy, as I like to call him, Mr. John Schlimm is going to share his tips for enjoying summertime cocktails. So I'd like to welcome to the show, John Schlimm. Hey, June. It's great to be with you. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers, John. You are my favorite healthy party guy. You are the man. I wish I went to college with you. You probably would (laughs) have made college life so much healthier and more exciting just because you know so much. You're like a walking encyclopedia when it comes to cocktails of any kind. Well, you know, I believe that life is meant to be a celebration. Uh, No matter what you're doing, uh, life is so short and we need to celebrate and find joy in everything. And and certainly, uh, if you enjoy a cocktail every now and then, that will certainly help. (laughs) I couldn't agree more. John, one of the hottest spirits is moonshine. Mm-hmm. How do you incorporate moonshine into recipes without getting totally drunk? <laughs> well, if it's, if it's a cocktail recipe, uh, you know, that might be a lost cause. I think you're, going, you're headed for a beautiful buzz. Uh, but certainly when it comes to food recipes, which, you know, when I wrote uh, the Tipsy Vegan years ago, uh, that was my first plant-based cookbook. And I, I did that on purpose. Uh, because I wanted to contribute something new to the discussion of plant-based foods. And I thought, you know, what could be better than adding uh, alcohol to plant-based dishes to really get everyone to enjoy them uh, even more, whether you lead a plant-based lifestyle or not. And so with that book, I added beer and wine and vodka and whiskey and sherry and rum and, you know, everything, the whole liquor cabinet was added to different dishes. But moonshine, you know, which is the topic of my next book, which is coming out in October, uh, that book was, you know, just this beautiful challenge where I got to really experiment not only with moonshine and cocktails, which we'll talk a little bit about, but also putting it into a couple food dishes. And I think the easiest uh, dish pos- probably to use it in if someone wants to just experiment would be in a, a vegetable stew or a vegetable soup and just put in a little and, uh, and you know, I'm talking about some of the flavored moonshines that are out there naturally uh, but the the alcohol part for the most for the most part burns off during the cooking process so you don't have to worry too much you know if you're if you're getting uh, if you're getting drunk off of a, a vegetable soup with moonshine in it uh, you have bigger problems than the moonshine I think <laughs> <laughs> with regards to using alcohol in cooking and let me tell you something I was so grateful for that interview because I learned so much from you and I remember I was given a bottle of white Zinfandel I think it was and I was actually going to just toss it down the drain 
and <laughs> I didn't even want to compost it. I was just, uh, it's just not something that I would drink. I remember this, yes. <laughs> yeah, and I actually used it in a red sauce, and I was so grateful to you because I would have tossed it otherwise. So the things that you're doing are just tremendous. I mean, you really have so much creativity, and you really give people a better understanding of how they can repurpose alcohol into their recipes, whether it's the end of a bottle or if you want to give an old recipe a new flair. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, uh, I believe that it's, it's such a waste and a tragedy and heartbreaking to see any alcohol, even bad alcohol, be thrown out. Uh, I just I can't bring myself to do it. But, you know, again, life is too short to drink alcohol that is not good. Uh, so I have found a way to repurpose the bad alcohol, especially, you know, around the holidays, People love to give you homemade wines and uh, different wines. And oftentimes these uh, wines just aren't very good. Uh, you know, sometimes they are, and people are getting a little bit better at making them at home and that, and that's fantastic. But if you do get that bottle of, uh, you know, homemade beer or wine that just isn't that good, try putting it into uh, the next stew that you make or the next sauce that you make. And like you, I think you'll find uh, that you'll be pleasantly surprised. I like to take beer and make a beer batter out of it. And this is not something that requires eggs, so it is plant-based. And what I like to do, especially this time of the year, is I harvest dandelions. And I'll leave yes. enough of the stem so that I can just easily dip it into the batter and then either fry them or bake them, but it's really best to fry them. And they do taste tremendous, you know, to make these dandelion fritters. And they're very, they're actually very healthy, even though it is a fried food. But that's probably one of my most favorite ways to utilize beer, uh, whether it's stale or it's just a beer that I don't particularly care for. And the flavor does come out in the batter. Another thing that I like to do with wine that I'm not crazy about is I will soak portobello mushrooms in the wine. And I'll take the mm. wine and some freshly chopped garlic, and I'll just let it marinate, and the flavor really does come out. And it's it's just such a clever way to use something that, once again, would wind up either being composted or, you know, wind up down the drain. Well, I love dandelions. I'm so glad you brought that up. And, in fact, I love seeing dandelions in yards. I know most people don't like them. I think they're beautiful in yards, but they're also so delicious. And, uh, you know, getting back to my moonshine book, uh, you know, part of the, so the first half of the moonshine book is just a really fun uh, retelling of the history of the moonshiners since the beginning of our country. But the second half is a collection of moonshine infusion recipes as well as moonshine cocktail recipes. And one of the moonshine infusion recipes is a dandelion infused moonshine. So there's yet another way to use those beautiful little uh, pinpoints of sunshine that, in, that uh, you see in your yard to infuse moonshine to then use in cocktails and in different ways. That sounds really exciting. And anything with dandelions is always something that I'm going to look into. It's one of the favorite things about the summer that I look forward to. And I, I just really love your, your creativity. It's just amazing. Well, it's fun. It's just so much fun. And it's so fun getting to share 
these recipes and, you know, in, in the case of the Moonshine book, even the history of the Moonshiners, which I found, you know, inspiring in many ways, just really kind of fun. I would love to have gotten to hang out with a few of them uh, 200 years ago. Uh, but, you know, you talk about uh, the American dream. You know, these are folks who were among the first immigrants to come to our country. Uh, and, you know, they didn't always have it the easiest. They were mostly farmer entrepreneurs. And at times, you know, they did break the law. Uh, but here, 200 years later, they, they won. They, they finally achieved the American dream. Now moonshine is totally mainstream. Distilleries are popping up everywhere. And that's why, again, I really wanted to contribute uh, this book to that discussion of moonshine and to this uh, you know, beautiful renaissance that's happening right now. And I think your listeners are just going to love the cocktail recipes for example, there's one called Moonshine Monkey, uh, which combines a pineapple-infused moonshine with amaretto, rum, ginger ale, orange juice, and pineapple juice, so it's perfect for summer. Uh, there's a watermelon martini. You know, we talked in a previous interview about grilling watermelon. Well, now you can put watermelon in uh, a martini uh, that's made with moonshine, uh, also with a little bit of pineapple juice to, to bring some balance to it. There's even a Smoky Mountain s'more uh, recipe. It's a cocktail, uh, but it uses uh, a marshmallow-infused moonshine along with some chocolate liqueur and chocolate syrup and marshmallows and chocolate bars. So there's a little something for everybody uh, to just sort of further uh, the celebration and people just having a good time with life. Because in those few precious moments when we get to sit down with friends, uh, those moments, or with family, those moments really should be as special as possible. And I'm happy to be the bartender for those occasions. <laughs> oh, they sound wonderful. And I'm sure that since you're located in Pennsylvania, if you can check your cookies to Gettysburg, I'm sure that there will be quite a bit of excitement each year as they do the reenactment. And uh, I don't know, there's all sorts of ghost hunters and whatnot that attend those things. And who knows? I'm sure you'll find a descendant somewhere of the the last moonshiners of Pennsylvania. <laughs> well, you know, I certainly have channeled the spirit of the moonshiners through the writing of this book, and and I wanted to to write their history, not so much in an academic way. You know, those books have been done, and they're important, and I'm glad they've been done. But that's not me. You know that, and your listeners by now know that. I wanted to tell the history just as if I, if I was sitting right next to you telling you the history. So uh, the history of the Moonshiners that I've written is something that folks can sit down in an afternoon or two, along with one of the cocktails in the back, and just enjoy and laugh their way through uh, from start to finish. Thanks, John. One of my favorite cocktails during the summer lately has been rosés. And basically it's a combination of taking your favorite rosé. Uh, lately my favorite rosé has been rosé piscine, which is a new hot rosé. Last year I was drinking a lot of Notorious Pink. And you can take frozen fruit, like frozen strawberries, put it in the blender, add the rosé, and some ice and it's just absolutely amazing and what I like to do just to add a little bit of a sweetener is I like to add either the lingonberry syrup or even elderflower syrup which is actually a very trendy way of sweetening any type of cocktails so 
what are some of your favorite ways? And I know that you like to use a lot of fresh fruit. How do you sweeten your, your cocktails? Yeah, I, I I pretty much keep it as simple as possible. But what I love about you is you always give me these wonderful new uh, suggestions to try. So all of the syrups that you said sound so delicious. And I think that they would work in so many different drinks. And I think even, you know, pairing some of those syrups with some of the moonshine drinks, because I'm all, I'm really big about experimenting. You know, I, I always see my, the recipes I put out there for folks as just a starting point, just a kind of a suggestion, like here's the basic recipe, but now make it your own. So I encourage people to experiment with the elderberry syrups and the different syrups that uh, you, you mentioned, because I think you're going to come up with these original and really fantastic cocktails that you're going to really be able to make your own signature cocktails that your guests are going to ask for time and time again. And maybe they even become the secret ingredient uh, that truly makes those drinks yours if you're not willing to share (laughs) what that secret ingredient is with others. Well, I just think that if you think about alcohol as food, which is how I was raised to treat alcohol, doesn't matter if it's a wine or a spirit, but if you treat it as a food, Think of it as an ingredient. Last year, I remember one of my favorite cocktails to make was using, I think it was bird dog bourbon whiskey, and it was maple flavored. Now, it didn't taste like cough syrup, as most people would expect, but this line is kind of interesting. What I did was I made a simple syrup using one part of the bird dog maple flavored whiskey and one part sugar. And I basically boiled it down and so that it became a syrup. And then what I did was I took crushed ice and then drizzled it over the ice because I have a number of friends who are runners and they don't mm-hmm. want the additional fat, but they did want to indulge in an adult dessert. So it's kind of you, – you have to be creative with some of the things that you're presenting to your guests, especially if you know that they have – different health um, concerns and whatnot. And, yeah, you want to include them. And I try to make something that's appealing to everybody, but sometimes I find that when I'm being pushed into trying to find a solution for people who are... 